Lindsay. Martha. This week's guest is an awesome teacher who we heard about from other teachers. She happens to just be a teacher in the Chicago area. We were connected with her through um, interviewing some other awesome people. They gave us her name. They said we had to check her out. And they told us to check out her Instagram first, actually, which turned out to be incredible. Um, our guest's name is Brooklyn Dukes. Her Instagram is unbelievable. She, in her stories, shares lots of teacher tips and takeaways. She's so concise in the way she delivers things. It's just incredible. And you can find her at Brooklyn Dukes. And that's spelled Brooklyn, B-R-O-O-K-E-L-Y-N-N-E, Dukes. Yes. And she also is a parent coach. So she has a website and her website is also brooklyndukes.com. The website is more of her parent coaching. And I would say her Instagram is more of her webinars and just like tips for teachers and parents. Right. I totally forgot to say she started doing like classes or like online webinars um, for I think parents and teachers to just kind of learn about like certain topics. Again, she's so knowledgeable and just, I love the way she speaks and I'm excited for you all to be able to hear it. This week's topic is self-regulation. It's actually kind of funny because um, it's similar to last week's topic. Although last week with um, Dr. Alana Lopez, we talked about more of the adult side of self-regulation and like triggers for adults when it comes to self-reg. Yeah, reflection for like adults. Yeah, and this week we're talking with Brooklyn about the child's side of things. So triggers for children, self-regulation for children. I think it gives, both episodes give a really nice, well-rounded kind of approach to the subject. Yes, emotions, big emotions, self-regulation, Triggers, parenting, teaching, kids, all of it. Got it all. We got it all in there. So (laughs) anyway, we love Brooklyn. We hope you do too. And so without any further ado, here is our interview with Brooklyn Dukes. I was just telling Lindsay, like, one of the things that, like, impresses me the most about you is, like, you just can talk and, like, get your full thought out. And it just sounds so well formulated. And for me, it just, I could never talk in that. I couldn't. So I'm already, no. I'm done. <laughs> I couldn't either. And especially on video, you're always like videoing, your, like you're taking video of yourself while you're saying this stuff. I'd have to start it over a million times. So in it would, the beginning, I definitely was like that. It was really hard. And I was like, I do not know what I'm talking about. Like, why am I, why, like, who do I think I am that I could speak to a bunch of people? And then I was like, I don't know any of these people. Like, I literally, yeah. like, I had to, I'm also, like, a recovering perfectionist. Like, <laughs> I really needed to just be, like, I'm not recording this video 500 times. Yeah. Like, get it out and just be done. Like, yeah. that's it. It is. <laughs> um, okay, so why don't we start with just a little bit of background about you and how you got into teaching, but then also a little bit more about how you got into doing the awesome stuff you do on Instagram. All right. So um, I actually got started teaching. I always was interested in teaching. I kind of waffled between teaching and psychology. um, And I kind of fell into an assistant teaching job at the J. 
um, when my good friend called me up and was like, oh, they really need subs. Um, as teachers know, we always need subs. Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, like, of course I'll do that. I was working in a really strange job, like sorting eye contacts in an eye contact <laughs> warehouse. Um, and I was like, please get me out of this. And then, um, so I like jumped and I was like, yeah, I'll totally sub. And then they had me come in for maternity leave, um, like for a day and then they were like hey can you come back tomorrow and I was like sure and then they were like hey can you come back for the whole week and I was like sure and they were like okay can you stay for the year and now I've been there for seven years <laughs> so they really like I totally drink the Kool-Aid I love the J it's Aww. been like I feel so grateful I work in such an amazing place with amazing supervisors and um yeah, so that's and I and I was going for teaching originally, uh-huh. but it really like kind of solidified that like yeah, this is exactly what I want to do and this is where I want to be and I love children, and um, yeah, so that's how I started um, teaching. That's uh-huh. awesome. Yeah. And then in terms of my Instagram. Really, I, like, loved that relationship with families, and I started to, like, really build this relationship with families where I was, like, you know, they were, like, hey, do you have any ideas about this and any ideas about this? And then I actually was inspired by someone else I follow on Instagram who is a parent coach and um, who's a former early childhood educator, um, Alea B. Coaching. And I was really inspired by the things that she was sharing, and I was, like, I, like, maybe I have something that I can share, and I was, like, maybe I don't, and I have this whole imposter syndrome thing (laughs) and then I was like you know what I'm just gonna do it people can listen to me or they can't and um I got really amazing feedback and people were asking me questions and like sharing their thoughts and then I like sort of really like delved deep into like what parents need and families need and it's been really amazing and fun and exciting and I love doing it so it's really I mean it definitely shows that you love doing it when you're watching it's also so funny that you had imposter syndrome because I sit there watching it and I'm like what is (laughs) this girl's background like why does she know like exactly what I want to hear like (laughs) no yeah you really you you are it's amazing it sounds I think it's a great resource yeah um but I guess so while you're here you talk a lot about self-regulation and uh, like I was just saying like the things that you the tips that you give out are so like perfectly packaged that I just felt like it would be awesome to have you come on and talk a little bit about self-regulation so um do you have like a working definition of self-regulation that you use or what comes to mind um, when um, you think about it? I think self-regulation is, is like, it's such a big thing and such a tool and skill that so many of us have and don't have at the same time. And I think it's something that we really expect a lot from children. Um, and, and it's really interesting that we do because we don't really formally teach it or make it accessible for them to learn. We're sort of just like, well, you were three years old, so you must be sitting in your seat and you should know how to do this by now. And this is the ninth month of school. And like, why aren't you doing this already? Oh, like I can't believe it. Right. We have that sort of like long spiel in our heads, ready to go every time a kid doesn't do something. But we also like something that I, I talk about a lot is usually like kids aren't doing things on purpose or to be manipulative. Kids are really lacking skills. Um, And I think, like, we develop those skills and we can develop those self-regulation pieces and um, sort of, like, then that helps them problem solve. And when we can do that with them, they have, like, a working, like, document almost of, like, okay, 
I'm going to do X, Y, Z when I feel upset. And I'm seeing my, my teacher do it. I'm seeing my mommy do it. I'm seeing my daddy do it. And now I know what that looks like because how often are we not self-regulated around our children? Like, and when we are, we're not exactly like narrating it for them. We're just like, stop crying or you're going to go to your room, stop crying or I'm going to take away your toy. Right. Cause we're also right. dysregulated in those moments. Um, and I think it's really so important for kids because you know, the, the kids who are self-regulated are the ones who really do succeed in so many ways, right? Like, we talk a lot about how it's so important to read, and we focus a lot on literacy, and now STEM, and science, and math, and the kids who are successful at that are really children that can self-regulate those, like, impulses when they want to get up and run around their class, and they can calm themselves down, or recognize, like, what an appropriate behavior is for a certain time, and, like, kids who are really successful as adults are able to self-regulate enough to, like, channel that energy into something, um, so I think it's just, like, an important stepping stone into everything. Yeah, Um, yeah, it totally is. I also, yeah, I love the direction you took that in, because, Um, I can say personally that I'm not ever, like, fully self-regulated. Like, I feel like there's so many – like, if I'm too hungry, I'm, like, so mean to my husband. (laughs) And I just feel like – Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I I like the way you kind of approach it as, like, a we expect children at such a young age. And we don't even teach them. That's such, like, an eye-opener for me. Yeah, or – Like, we try – I mean, you definitely try to scaffold when they need it. But, yeah, it's not something that they come in – Kids don't come into school and you just start teaching them self-regulation skills. You just do it if kids need it, I feel like. Yeah, you're, that's kind of how a lot of people look at it is like, right? they're like, like the challenging oh, this behavior. Kid, yeah. yeah, the kids that have more challenging behavior are the ones that need more self-regulation skills and then you could kind of try to like scaffold That's when there. you shift your focus to self-regulation right. instead of like Starting. right off the bat. Yeah. Right, totally. The more I learn about it, the more I'm like, whoa, I am totally not self-regulated. Like, I cannot ask a three-year-old to be if I'm, like, totally not accessing composure right now. (laughs) Accessing composure. I like that one. It's so true. Whenever, just a really big tangent, but, like, whenever I go to my parents' house, like, in my own home, I'm, like, such a – not such a, but I'm an adult. And then when I go to my parents' house, I, like, turn into this, like, weird, like, teenager version of myself where, like, (laughs) I just, like, want my – my mom to cook me food it's really not good but like it makes me think about my self-regulation like what is happening to me I feel like my self-regulation is always pretty like same so I would say that you have a like unusually healthy relationship with your parents then oh thank you why do you say that I'm kidding but like I actually feel the same way like um I when I go to my parents or like when they come over I'm like immediately like an angsty like 17 year old like everything my do but sets me off and I'm like why can't I control my Exactly. Why can't I control myself? I think I think it's like those triggers are like so raw sometimes. It's like so intense. Like even like good or bad. Like for better or for worse, they might be good. They might be bad. But I think they do like sometimes come out in like really familiar situation. Um, Exactly. And you just brought up triggers, which is the next thing I would love to touch on. (laughs) And we had a trigger. Yeah. Like you're you're already running this show, girl. Um, (laughs) Go. Just go. We're listening. So no, like I. It's obviously when we're having a like a moment where we're very where, where we're not able to self-regulate um especially in children um let's talk about like what triggers those kind of situations and how can we like learn to identify um what a child's triggers are what do we need to do that's such a great question i actually think sometimes it's so, like we get like caught up 
and like how complicated something might be and it's really pretty simple Mm -hmm. um and like usually kids are pretty good at telling us what their triggers are because they start screaming when they hear a loud noise um Mm -hmm. or like having a meltdown and like rocking back and forth when (laughs) you know someone (laughs) takes their snack um and like I think sometimes we're like we have no idea what's setting them off and it's like actually we know exactly what's setting them off but we don't know how to help them um like I've had students who you know when there's 16 children in a classroom like that's pretty tr- triggering. If I was in a, in a space with 16 people for four, you know, for four or five, eight hours all day, like that's, you know, an overwhelming place with um, a lot of variables and a lot of unpredict- like unpredictability. And, um, and that there's, there's a lot of triggers within that. Um, and I think, you know, we kind of have, when we see a behavior that's like shouting, like, help me, I'm having a meltdown. Like that is, I think, I think a lot of what I talk about is really a shift into recognizing that, like, and a lot of what I've learned, like, I'm not, you know, this is not, like, all my work, and by any means, I'm I'm just learning, but Mm -hmm. um, is behavior is really communication. So if you see a behavior that is, like, someone's throwing their body on the ground or picking up a chair and tossing it across the room, that's telling you, like, a child is triggered. And usually, like, when you can sit down and talk to them, they can tell you, like, well, they took my toy or, you know, like, my mommy screamed at me before school and just, like, sort of, like, starting to notice the things that are setting them off. Okay, so now, now that we know what is setting them off, we can, like, look for it. And then as soon as it happens, we, like, jump in. Like, that's our cue. I'm going to jump in right now and I'm going to say, like, you know, I think that's also, like, that teacher that teacher role that we do have in that scaffolding Um it's like, okay, someone took their toy. Like, that's when you zoom in, you get there, and you say, what can we do when someone takes our toy? We say, yeah. give it back to me. That is when we teach the skill. Like, that space between the meltdown and, like, the thing that's triggering the meltdown. Totally. And I think it takes a lot of time um, to, like, sort of, like, figure out where that is. But I think once you do, like, it really makes such an amazing, like, impact on a kid to realize, like, they have that support in the meantime. And eventually, like, they totally get it. Totally. You talk about, like, getting excited about when you see the, like, behavior that comes after the trigger. And I I love that because you're really talking about being, like, a researcher Mm -hmm. as a teacher. You're talking about taking the work and elevating it to, like, a thing where I'm really thinking about what's happening during to the what's happening to this child and how can I help and you're taking yourself out of an emotional space I think personally for me this is going to sound hilarious one of my triggers is like really loud noises which Mm -hmm. is obviously why I chose to work with small children Um, no I don't like loud noises either (laughs) so for me it's I I had to learn like very quickly when I walked into an early childhood classroom like how to control and like influence a noise level in a classroom and also when it is noisy to like how to compose myself Um, and I think like it can be so triggering for me personally even to hear a kid screaming at the top of his lungs because someone like brushed him and I'm like (laughs) what are you doing like chill out that's my initial reaction right because it just seems like ridiculous but when you recognize like okay this kid is clearly this child's very sensitive to whatever happened and it feels very overwhelming to him and there's so much else going on in this child's life more than this moment okay now how can I help him and like then it's like okay I can help him yeah now I'm gonna like wait ex- 
excitedly for the behavior. So like I have that chance to help him because I think it's so easy to like get down, especially, you know, with a bunch of other, like, and I, I think I say this, like we've all like worked in, you know, classrooms that have, you know, multiple teachers and we've all worked in sites that have multiple teachers. And I think sometimes it really is easy to like share your war stories and like, Oh, I've been through this and well, my kid did this today. And like, <laughs> it's not, it sometimes we do. And you know what? I think there's totally a place for venting and being exhausted. And I do it all the time, but I think also like it needs to be constructive and like, what are we going to do next? Like, how are we going to help that child like get through this? Like, how are we going to like equip yeah. them to do it when they're four, when they're in a four-year-old classroom, when they do get to kindergarten. Um, and that, I think, is the getting excited for the behavior piece. Like, wait all day for the tantrum. Like, okay, I can't wait. I'm going to jump in, and I'm going to help Micah. That's my son's name. I'm just going <laughs> to keep using it because I'm going to use a real child's name. Yes. Um, right. Yes, so. no, and and um, and it just keeps it positive, too. Because then totally. you're, like, not, you're not dreading the behavior all day. You're, like, getting excited to be plan. like, I can fix this. I can help. I can teach the skill. You know. right. And it's really empowering for yourself. Like sometimes it feels so helpless. You're like, I can't do anything for this child. And yeah, I think I yeah. felt that way a lot. Um, but like in the moment, like that's when it really matters. Like you can feel hopeless at the end of the day and like come back in in the morning and like reset yourself and be like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to do it today. Yeah. I want to get into like the actual helping and how we can help. But first, I want to talk a little bit about sharing and we kind of touched on you know, how that can be a big trigger. Um, and you have some great info on sharing, if you would like to share that. <laughs> <laughs> I would. Thanks for asking me. Um, but, yeah, I think sometimes, like, and I am so guilty of this, like, nothing I say, like, I haven't done, and nothing I say, like, I don't still necessarily do occasionally. Yeah. Just I love I that disclaimer. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were I actually just talking about that. I think it's so easy for me to, like, say stuff and, like, say it out of context, but, like, when and I think that is where that like recognizing your own triggers come in too because when you know like when you feel calm it's so much easier to recognize like what your values are and where you stand and like access them but like when you're overwhelmed and stressed out it's so easy to like revert back to that like the whatever you heard when you were a kid um but in terms of sharing I think sometimes um we we spend a lot of time making children share Mm -hmm. which is interesting because it doesn't work. Um, <laughs> like, no kids, like, the, unless you teach, like, an older age, maybe, children don't necessarily, you making them share doesn't make them more willing to share the next time. Um, I think it just continues that habit of, like, okay, you have to share now, or you have to pass this to your friend Jacob, yeah. and then Jacob has to pass it to Micah, and it's just, like, you spend your whole school year, like, you know, redistributing the goods to like all the children in the classroom and meanwhile you're exhausted because you really just need to get yourself portraits done and but you're fighting over who's sharing when really we could just say you know what Jacob's using that toy now and I also think yeah if we really value and I think many people are you know on this train now of like play is the way kids learn Mm. if we really value how children learn and really understand that like play is it for them like this is what's getting them everything they need um you know with a little help from us but um then taking something away that is so valuable to their play is really stopping their learning like right in its tracks Mm -hmm. like that is kind of intense (laughs) um and 
Um, and it's just, you know, if someone, if someone walked, if, you know, Lindsay, if you walked up to Martha and you were like, hey, give me your phone, like, yeah, it just I'd seems, it, you would be like, <laughs> uh, absolutely not. And like yeah. for a child, when they're playing, it really feels like ownership of their object. Yeah. And I think it can be kind of disrespectful to sort of demand that from a child. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and we, a lot of times, a lot of times, and you kind of get into this, we, I think there's this, like, um, desire in teachers to just be like, oh, okay, but I really can't with the meltdown that's going to happen from my other friend here if they don't get to play with it right. within the time frame of, like, our So it's like avoiding another behavior, yeah. So, oh, can we set a timer? And yeah. I, <laughs> and so that's also, though, not really valuing um, the play. And unless you're saying that, like, the child comes up with that solution and it's okay with them. That's the only time it's really kind of acceptable to use that because otherwise it's just for sharing. Yeah. Totally. And I think something interesting that I've noticed when I when children have told me, like, okay, like, Mo Brooklyn, that's what we say for teacher in our site. Mo mm-hmm. is Hebrew word for teacher. But, um, you know, something they do do is usually they're they're, like, more than happy to end up be, they're done with the toy in like 30 seconds right, sometimes right. They don't you know like it, you yeah. set the timer for eight minutes or whatever you know arbitrary number <laughs> exactly. they throw out there because they have no sense of time and and they're done in 10 seconds from now and I'm like oh you know what Jacob your toy is ready like you can go <laughs> yeah, pick it up right. um so I think sometimes and I think it's really as simple like for kids especially young children to just say you know what Jacob's using it right now. You can use it when he's done. Yeah, um, and then re- helping them find somewhere to engage because I think sometimes it, some children it's just really hard to get them to engage in play. Yeah, um, and that's like you know that's that's our job figuring out what they love and what they connect to, and not just because it's in somebody else's hands, but yeah. like where can they start their work? Right. Um, so yeah. okay, because it becomes like an ownership thing. Like someone might just go over just to grab it because they want it. It's theirs. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like that. Like my daughter a lot will say that's mine, and I'm like. Is it really yours, Isla, or do you want to use it? Because sometimes right. it's just that she wants to use it, or she, someone else has it and she wants. You know what I mean? Like, and that's mine. It's the ownership is, thing. It yeah. tells people that it's hers. Exactly. It's, it's the, her way the of ownership. being like that's labeling mine, for ownership. <laughs> totally, totally. So um, I like that idea, though. Just being like, someone else is using it right now. You can use it when they're done. Yeah. Okay. So let's say Isla. She's you know <laughs> she's not having her best day. She's had a couple things go wrong. She's a little tired. She hasn't had her nap. She wants Leo's toy. Leo is Lindsay's son. And you say, Leo's using that, that using it right yeah. now. You can use it when he's done. And she just melts Breaks down. down. So let's get into tantrums like and big emotions. What do we do, Brooklyn? Yeah. This is like the time <laughs> honored question, right? Yeah. Um, it's funny because I, I, uh, I have a... Uh, toddler right now and he's like just starting to get into like the tantrum phase yeah. where we were previously in that like yeah I could take that phone away from him because we don't allow screen time yeah. um, and he wouldn't care and like now when it, it has to be moved it's like boom meltdown and it's so sad yeah. <laughs> and like it really like also tests my skills in this area because I'm like oh you know I can I can talk all day but like when you gotta practice yeah. and preach it gets a lot harder um, but I think really like 
it's so important when a child feels dysregulated to just be calm with them. Um, I know I talked about something that I think it's Daniel Siegel talks about. Um, he talks a lot about like chaos versus calm right. and um, like children, you know, I've also seen this quote around a lot lately, like a dysregulated adult is not de-escalating an escalated child, you know? Um, Kids need calm in in terms of calming down. That's a little bit, goes back to the self-regulation piece also is, you know, at a young, you know, even adults, you know, the numbers say like seven, eight early childhood, but really as adults, we need a lot of help to calm down, right? We need, we, we need to vent to everybody, we need, you know, someone to, like, talk us down and be calm. And if someone comes in the room who is angrier than us, like, well, we'll show them. Like, yeah. watch me. I'm going to throw a tantrum even louder than you are, right? Oh my and I think for children, like, knowing that, like, someone is there and just loving them and being empathetic. And I took a class once with someone um, who, who basically said empathy is just saying, I don't know what I would do. Like, if I were them, I don't know what I would do. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, that's such a basic and perfect, like, description. Like, it's so easy for adults to look at a tantruming child and say, like, like, this is ridiculous. Like, it's right. just a stuffed animal. And the same exact stuffed animal is on the other side of the room and no one's using it. Like, why are you wearing a And it's so easy for us to say that because we have such a big world and right. we have such big problems. But when you're looking at a three-year-old and, like, That's their the range, their <laughs> spectrum is so much smaller. Like, this is really the biggest thing they've ever had to deal with. Like, it's really painful. The first thing we do when we have a tantrum is check ourselves. Like, am I able to be calm right now? Like, because really, the sometimes our, our whole goal is, like, stop the scream. Like, pacify right. them. Get them to fix it. We'll fix it. We'll fix it. We'll save them. We're going to punish them. We're going to separate from them. We're going to send them to their room. But, like, really kids are going to stop tantruming eventually like whether it's in their room whether it's on their lap whether it's on your lap whether you gave them the toy whether you didn't give them the toy but like how much more connected a kid feels if they make it through a tantrum and their parent or their teacher stayed with them the whole time and like really like loved them and was like unconditionally there for them and like their emotions didn't scare them away like that builds a really special and trusting relationship with an adult and I think um I think sometimes we overlook the importance of that we talk so much about how kids are resilient when they have an adult relationship that's like so steady but like then the second you know it's inconvenient for us it's really easy to send them to their room or send them to the office or send them out of their you know out of their space or even you know sometimes we call things a safe space but you have to go there when you're behaving this way and really that also feels kind of punishing and separating so Mm -hmm. I think really like just spending that minute with the child and like being there um and just like knowing like they're allowed to be upset like we have all tantrumed and kids all tantrum and we are all fine like for the most part right Um, but but like I think that's such a big piece of that is like kids who are able to really let it out with you like it you know you're safe like you feel safe so how do we start moving them like once they once we've kind of weathered the initial storm you know, and really just been there for them, like, what do we need to do to help them get out of, like, the dysregulated state? So I 
think sometimes, like, for it depends on the tantrum, right? Some children, they tantrum, and, like, that's all they really needed, and they're, like, chick-chack done, and they're going to get up and, like, go play with Play-Doh and, like, take a chunk of grass and, like, like, do that thing for a few minutes, right? Oh, yeah, I love um, that. <laughs> you know oh, that one? So um, but I think also um, sometimes we need to sort of, like, direct them in a certain place, and, and we can start with empathy, which is you really were hoping to get that Play-Doh or, you know, like, that's really not what you wanted to happen, right? Like, you really wanted to go outside and right now it's dinner time, whatever it is, right? Yeah. Um, start with that empathy and say, like, um, and I, I talk a lot about conscious discipline, but there's so many amazing methods out there, like collaborative problem solving. And yeah. just, you know, they all really are talking about the same thing, which is, like, connection, right? right. Um, and I think, like, recognizing, like, this child is feeling an emotion that's causing this behavior and saying, like, you seem like you're feeling sad. You seem like you're feeling frustrated, whatever it is. And like helping them learn those words and talking about them when they're not necessarily in that full blown, like tornado meltdown mode, Um, like giving them that language. um, I had a really amazing, amazing situation this year. Um, and terrifying at the same time. <laughs> I, had, uh, I had some, you know, challenging emotional things going on in my classroom. And, you know, one day, like, it, it, there was a lot of meltdowns. There was a lot, and I'm not even talking about one specific kid. Like, this was a few kids that were able to do this by the end of the year um, or by the end of March when, you know, corona. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that um, it was so amazing to see, like, I had a child, like, who was previously, like, melting down, melting down, melting down, and she, like, balled up her fists and just said to to her classmate, I am angry. And then she stomped off and, like, sat herself down in the beanbag and, like, picked up one of the tools we have that, like, helps them choose what to do next. They choose, like, how they're feeling, and then they say, then they look at their options. Like, what can they do now? I feel this way. What's going to, what's my goal? Do I want to feel better? Do I want to calm down? Am I not really ready to feel better? Do I just want to, like, kind of sulk for a little? Because, like, I think that's a normal, healthy phase. Um, But, um, and then, like, when they are ready to move forward, like, helping them, like, okay, do you want to play with a squishy ball? Do you want to sit on my lap for a few minutes? Would you like to read a story together? Um, Right. And just sort of, like, helping them, like, ease their way back into it. And then I think there's other times where you can teach, right? Before that meltdown, sometimes you can jump in there and say, okay, use your big voice and tell your friend, give me my doll back. Like, and teaching children to, you know, really, like, take charge of a situation and help themselves. I think sometimes mm-hmm. we're really scared of like, you know, um, our kids sounding mean and instead they like, they, they end up being like the opposite, you know, they get right. they receiving the meanness when really we could teach them to stand up for themselves and also to be calm, kind and calm. Um, but um, I think that's also like teaching them boundaries, teaching them what they can and can't do. And there's so many pieces. There's so many things that set off tantrums um, and like helping them like recognize their triggers. You know, um, right. if a kid hates loud noises and it's going to send them into meltdown mode. OK, what can you do when you hear a loud noise, Micah? You could put your mm-hmm. fingers in your ears. You could go sit in the beanbag. And you also have to, you know, give them options that make sense for you. Like if you can't have them sitting in the beanbag at a certain time of the day, then then don't offer for that but also like question like why can't you have them sitting in the beanbag right like think about right what else is going into that like can you really have them sitting in the beanbag because if you can like let them have their space like as adults when we need a break um 
we take a break. And if we don't, that's when we have a tantrum. <laughs> so I think, you know, there's a lot of pieces of it. Um, but I think the initial piece is like really being there and like honoring that emotion and like letting it be okay. And I like um, how you said like naming it and you talked about conscious discipline and you mentioned it in your um, Insta- some of your Instagram stories, but you said um, name it to tame it, which it that's con- conscious discipline, correct? Yeah, it is. But I love that because it's like, name it to tame it. It's like that little friend in your classroom was like, I'm so angry. And then it sounds like that she had had enough practice being hearing like, you're angry or you're this or you're this, helping her identify um, what emotion she was feeling. And then once she identified it, what are the necessary things? What's the next step for me? Right, exactly. And I think sometimes we stop at what we're feeling. And I think that's like empathy is such an important tool. But I think it also needs to be constructive. And like as adults, sometimes, like even with my friends, I, I find myself doing this. Like I'll be like, oh yeah, that's so hard. But like I'm kind of hesitant to like offer any other advice or thoughts unless they ask for it or like, okay, like, like in, I might not even ask, like, well, what are you going to do about it? Because you know, I'm afraid of hurting someone or whatever, but I think it's actually so important to say like, but what's next? You feel angry. So what can you do? And I also, I sorry, I also think that we talked a little bit about, or you mentioned a little bit too about validating all of those feelings, but also keeping like your boundary. Like you talked about, like we're not doing the popsicle. I'm, you're so sad. You wanted the popsicle, but mom said no. And, you know, keeping the boundary, but also empathizing and then coming in with what can we do right now? Totally. And, And I think like, you know, also like managing your expectations is so important. Like if you really don't care if he has a popsicle right now, like you don't need to fight it. Like it's yeah. not, you know, like, but also <laughs> like cared. if you do care, then, then it is okay to be empathetic and say like, that's really like upsetting. You really wanted that popsicle. Um, and then like, if he asks for it again, you can say like, no, we're not having a popsicle now. Or even, you know, and I think that goes for so many things like kids, a lot of times children who are dysregulated are also getting mixed messages, right? Like, you know, like when they know they can push a boundary, then they're going to try to push the boundary. And I think it's also our job to set those boundaries and make sure they know that they're not being pushed and we're not giving in all the Mm -hmm. time. And like, of course there's times when you drop expectations, but, um, if there's a boundary that we need and we stick to it, I think that communicates safety to children and knowing that like their adult is sure of themselves and sure of the rules and um is calm and like composed during that feels really safe to kids and it's predictable totally i think the hard part with that though with when you're talking about like teaching and and home it can you know i mean like you might have a boundary at school that you're using all the time but like at home they're not you know they're not getting that boundary so yeah the mixed messages between home and school can you know be tough for kids yeah and not and that's maybe why some of the self-regulation stuff is so hard to you know I mean like yeah. grow and get like better because they're getting this next mixed messages all the time even yeah. as much it's as you're trying really, to really really hard yeah. I actually like sometimes see like especially since I've been like more intentional and conscious with the yeah. way I'm like responding to emotions in my classroom that sometimes it almost feels harder um because like something that whatever is going on at home is mm-hmm. different. Right. Whatever is happening at home is different. And I think that comes down to, you know, parents can make their own choices and absolutely do what they 
want and feel is right for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I think, you know, sometimes we need to stretch ourselves a little bit as teachers. I think we all do that in some aspects, but like saying, you know, I noticed that, um, I noticed that Micah, when he melts down that X, Y, Z really, really helps him feel supported. And, um, and I've, and I've personally done this with, you know, during conferences is like, okay, these are the behaviors that we're seeing. And these are the things that are working in the classroom. If you guys, um, want to try them at home, let me know how they go. Like, I'm happy to support you. And a lot of times parents are so, and I would say even most times are so grateful because a lot of times they're just doing whatever they think or know or whatever they have whatever they had growing up and like they also feel like I have no idea what to do like we've all had that moment when a kid is losing it like I do not know what to do right now and I think like giving them some tools and like saying like you know this is really this really works for them like let's try this yeah no I totally agree I love it um well I know we we could talk for like ever about all of this I just want to get to like Two more things. Please, please. Um, okay, so <laughs> okay. you talk about like focusing on the child's wins, like, and and I feel like that's something that's really gonna help, like, make the work that you're doing with them to help regulate and help them feel more calm when they're feeling upset. Um, last, when you're focusing on the wins, or can you just kind of talk a little bit more about that? You know. Motivate outside motivation only goes so far mm-hmm. um, before whatever the kid really wants it weighs more than that. Like, yeah, you can get this like little dollar store treat, or like you can stop listening to me. And like in the moment, that child's impulse is going to be like, yeah, I'm going to stop listening to you because I don't really care right now, <laughs> right? Yep. And so yes. I think like it's also not just focusing on their wins, but like focusing on a win that like. Really, in a way that is going to matter to them, I love because when that. it matters to them, it's what's going to work. Like that's what's going to that's what's developing self regulation, right? Like what's an example? So like what's something that I'm wondering. Them? I'm wondering when that little girl was like, "I'm so angry right now." Instead yeah. of like slugging that little other little kid, would that be a win you'd focus on when she really put all those tools into practice? So totally, yeah. I would. Yeah, yeah, I don't okay. think I would. I I definitely am anti sticker chart, and I could yeah. spend five days talking about why. I but that. I think oh, it same. could be as simple <laughs> as saying to that child, like, "You felt really angry, and you took a deep breath, said I feel angry, and then you walked over to the safe space and you calmed down." And so, I think when we yeah, notice, just, yeah. like. I think sometimes when we we get so involved and like, good job, I'm so proud of you, it really becomes about us. And it's meaningless after a while. Yeah, you're not like, you're not being specific enough. And also, and for some kids it is meaningless, and for other kids they like crave it, right? Those people pleasing, and like I am so one of these people, like I am dying for your feedback like give it to me right yeah like tell me I'm amazing all the time but like imagine like if you grew up and like like and you know this is something I'm working on myself like feeling okay and proud of something and like not needing anyone to tell you is so powerful yeah. and I think that's when the noticing comes in and it's really bland it's like you're you're like reporting the news the sky is blue <laughs> the grass bland. is green you said I feel angry and you walked to the safe space and they notice that and they 
look and they, and then you can, and you know, kids don't even need the sticker, right? Right. What they want is you to smile at them while you give them the sticker. They want that connection in that (laughs) moment. And when you do that, when you say like, I saw that you walked over to the space, safe space when you were upset, like then you can give them a pause and like watch their face and it's going to light up. Like if you, if you say that in a composed, like calm way, like, like it is so much more meaningful to them like that that's when you get them going home and being like i i said i I was angry today and i calmed i went to the beanbag chair you know (laughs) yeah anyway i think like we were saying we could go on literally forever and we need to find a time to get dinner because i just think that would be the most fun dinner ever teacher dinner um But yes, no, I mean, this is all such amazing stuff. I feel like everything is so like, like I was saying, it's just, I mean, I'm not everybody, but you and you always seem to be a step ahead of my brain. And it's really helpful for me when I'm thinking about how I want to practice being a teacher. So I just, I'm so glad you were able to be on the show. I, you guys are amazing, and I oh, met you in, like, different yeah. capacities and yes. on Instagram, and I yeah. feel so grateful that you guys are awesome and, like, spreading it. And um, oh. Well, yeah, thank right. you. Yeah, and have a great night. Yeah, you <laughs> too. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Bye. Brooklyn. Bye. Thank you. So that's our show. If you want to learn more about Brooklyn and the awesome work she does, you should definitely check her out on Instagram, and that's at Brooklyn Dukes. And you should also check out her website at www.brooklyndukes.com. That's Brooklyn, B-R-O-O-K-E-L-Y-N-N-E, Dukes. You can also head over to our website, www.thereflectiveteacherpodcast.com, and check us out also on Instagram at the Reflective Teacher Podcast. The last thing you can do, which we would greatly appreciate, is if you went over to Apple Podcasts, and rated our podcast and left a review subscribe to the podcast that is the best thing you can do to help us get our name out there and help more teachers discover what we're doing until next time thanks for listening